The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, courtesy of Fansite. Welcome to a Game 5 edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. You didn't think you'd see us here. We didn't think we'd be here. And yet, there is a Game 5 of the American League Division Series between the Yankees and Rays, and it takes place Friday night in sunny San Diego. Thomas what is going on? We have the most epic pizza Friday in podcast history so far. I know it's only been a couple of months, but this one's this one should be on the calendar for everybody. Tip the delivery guy extra tonight. We got to put the good vibes out there. This is what it's coming down to. This is what we always knew. We, we, we probably knew this was going to game five. Like I said, if you thought we were winning game two and taking a 2-0 lead, you're not paying attention enough. We were playing for this Garrett Cole game five all along. Boone tried to get creative in game two to see if he could shut the door early. Not going to happen. We, the fans knew that. The, the, the regular fans knew that, I should say, that the, the ones who are grounded in reality. But this is it. And uh, now the Rays are going with Tyler Glass now, who is pitching on two days rest uh, after throwing 93 pitches across five innings of work, laboring the other night. Um, and... I know the Rays have a rested bullpen, but we have the upper hand with the starter and our bullpen's really not that tired either. So you got to be feeling good. This is what it's, what it was all set up to come down to. And hopefully we have a date with the Astros come Sunday. This is scary stuff in the best kind of way. And if you can't get enough of this and you want to seek us out and download our archive of podcasts to talk about how we got here, please find us on Apple podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, Wherever you do get your podcast, you will see us there, and we can't wait to talk to you. Please leave us a five-star review, drop us a message, and mailbag questions, anything you want to talk about, 
you can get in touch with us. Uh, because this series is completely insane. It's off the rails. Kevin Cash contributed to that by announcing late Thursday night that Tyler Glass now is going to start game five on just two days rest. After Cash himself theorized that Garrett Cole might have been in the mix to start game four uh, on almost no rest as well. Uh, I guess that should have been some foreshadowing that, that Cash was crazy enough to try it. So maybe he thought we would be too. Uh, but this glass now start, it can't last very long. This, this has to be, this, this is setting up to be a better version of the J-Hap Davey Garcia plan featuring two better pitchers at this point in time than those two people where glass now goes through the order once maximum and gives way to Blake Snell to basically try to cut down the middle innings of this bullpen because Diego Castillo has largely looked good. Uh, Nick Anderson has looked pretty untouchable when he's, when he's faced us. Uh, but Peter Fairbanks completely lost the plate in his uh, first appearance of the series, almost walked the game away in game two. Uh, he had the umpire CB Buckner in there to help him out and, and settle him down and solidify the zone a little bit. Uh, how many times have you seen a guy fall behind three, one and then make two pitches perfectly on the corner and get them both to get Clint Frazier. Uh, that was hideous. But anyway, uh, there, there are only two real dependable arms in the Rays bullpen at this point in time. Um, they tried to bullpen us in game four. It didn't work. And like we said, I think a lot of us expected to be in game five when the series started. Baseball playoffs, man, they are, they are a roller coaster. Five games is not a lot of games. You know, you look at five games and you look at the best of three series you usually play in the regular season, you feel like you got a ton of extra leeway here. And no, you don't. You go up 1-0, uh, make some questionable pitching calls in game two. Suddenly it's tied and Tanaka has a stink bomb. The team's down 2-1. Uh, I think we all expected we might be here in game five when the week began, but I think it was out of sequence. I think all of us sort of expected we'd win the Tanaka game, uh, and we didn't know how we would win either of the other two games, and that would send us to a decider. Um, they messed around and tried to steal one in game two, didn't even come close to working. And then, lo and behold, Jordan Montgomery has the ball suddenly after Tanaka falters in a win-or-go-home game four, and he comes home with the championship belt. Uh, I, I think I do want to start this by, before we move on to game five and Cole and what this means and, and how crazy it is that we are here after we were writing death warrants for this team on Wednesday night, uh, it, we're, we are here thanks to Jordan Montgomery. And so it merits mentioning what, what a performance, even for only four innings, what an, we've been waiting for an Andy Pettit like game from this guy for like two or three years. What a Pettit game. We wrote this guy off. Everybody did. If you, if you didn't, you're lying because we, nobody was excited to see Jordan Montgomery in, in a do or die game four scenario. Uh, you look at the stat line. It's not really pretty four innings, one earned run. You know, it, it doesn't look like he did the job theoretically, but he, he very well did the job. 62 pitches. He was mostly in the zone. Um, he only left a couple of pitches up. The problem with us in the last two games was that we were getting the raise in, in pitcher counts, and then we were giving them pitches to hit on 1-2 and 0-2. Very, very confounding stuff. Montgomery was using his breaking pitches and his off-speed stuff, keeping it down in the zone. He neutralized Randy Arozarena, which no other pitcher could do in this entire series, and he deserves all the credit for this because – he had one job. His job was to keep the Yankees in the game, keep the Yankees afloat, and let the offense do the work as the game progressed. The offense did do the work, although they did scare us in that uh, second inning. Bases loaded, no outs, and only come away with one run. Uh, pretty frustrating stuff. So uh, they ended up scoring five. Luke Voigt 
going yard to kick off the game. And then Glaber Torres hitting that monstrous two run shot in the six to uh, really sort of break it open. You're still nervous when you're only down, when you're only up three against the Rays, but then we brought in the big guns, Chad Green, Zach Britton, Roldis Chapman to shut it down. And man, Chad Green, holy shit. That was, that was the best I've ever seen him. I think he was painting the corners 97, 98, and it was, he didn't have an inch to spare hitting, hitting those pitches. And every raised batter was waiting for the call because they got all the bullshit calls for the last two nights. So they're waiting to, you know, have this guy keep calling these fringe pitches outside balls and they weren't getting them because they were strikes and they should have been strikes the whole time. And I guess they learned their lesson time to take the wood off your shoulder and stop relying on shitty umps to bail you out. Uh, We're not obviously, once again, we're not going to fully blame the umps for the losses in the last two games, but they also didn't help us whatsoever. They mostly helped the Rays. Uh, and now here we go, game five, and hopefully we don't have a shitty ump behind the plate and we get a fair game, and this is it. But Jordan Montgomery deserves all the credit for this one. Um, you know, I know we got some timely hits here and there, but the lineup could have broke this open and should have broke this open much earlier, and Montgomery continued to battle when this game was close, and that's all you could ask for from the guy. Props, and he deserves another start if we advance. Yeah, and raise your hand if you believe him before the game. Like we don't want to, you know, we don't want to call anybody out. But I mean, this this series was as done as a series can be. Um, no disrespect to Montgomery, he's outperformed. You know, his peripherals outperform his statistics. Uh, he pitched better this year than a five eleven ERA. But at the same time, uh, he was in the you know it, predictive stats say he should have been in the high threes, three eight six, I believe. Uh, that's good. I mean, that's not do or die game four material after the Rays have already beaten up on Tanaka and, uh, and Jay Happ who finished the season much hotter than Montgomery. Um, and Montgomery's last start against the Rays was the number one potentially, uh, disaster start of the season. It was the four runs in the first inning before an out had been recorded the day after the Chapman Brasso game where Brasso hit the two homers and the Rays coaches said they had tears in their ears. Ears was the quote, but I mean, they said tears. They must have had tears in their eyes. Um, yeah, the last time Jordan Montgomery faced the Rays, the Rays coaches cried because they were so happy they were kicking his ass. And so that's the guy we were sending out in a do or die game four. And he completely delivered. The Yankees didn't have to use any of the middle. Crazy. The Yankees didn't have to use any of the middle parts of their bullpen to patch together the last five innings of this game. That was 2 1. And Green. Britain and Chapman all got out with a very middling pitch count somehow five full innings from these guys and the, nobody made them work until Mike Brasso with two outs in the ninth and even that only got Chapman's pitch count to 23 or 24 all three dudes had somewhere between 22 26 23 pitches they should all be relatively fresh for game five if needed um and Chapman's the kind of guy a lot of people are going to quibble with why do you take Zach Britton out after striking out the first two batters of the eighth? I get it. It was weird. The optics are strange. And at the time it's four one and you don't have the benefit of hindsight. You don't know that Chapman just had a really easy five batter stretch after that and barely threw any pitches and, and sort of mowed the rays down. Um, if he blows the game, it's, it's, it's extremely dumb. It's, it's hellaciously mm-hmm. dumb. But as of now, you've got it. You've got a guy in a role as Chapman who prior to yesterday didn't work. Uh, between game two of the Cleveland series on Wednesday night and, and yesterday's game, game four. So if, if you're a Yankee fan, you know, you're not unfamiliar with the way this team works. You've watched a rested Aroldis Chapman become a rusty Aroldis Chapman very quickly. Like it is 
there's no more common sight than being like, hey, have we seen Aroldis Chapman in the last week? Where, where's he been? We, we haven't needed him? Uh, whatever. And then a 2-1 game and he comes in and walks the first batter on five pitches. So I don't really have a problem with Boone trying to extend him a little bit. I guess I'm saying that because it worked. Uh, if, he blows the, if he blows a 4-1 lead with two outs in the eighth after Britain was cruising, then that's unforgivable. And Boone can, can pack his bags and start interviewing for the Detroit Tigers vacancy. But <laughs> it, it worked. And Chapman is the kind of guy who needs burn on his arm. I'd much rather he be coming in today after throwing 23 pitches yesterday, all of which were sort of 101-mile-an-hour fastballs. Like, he looked great. Sometimes he looks off. He didn't yesterday. All three key relievers got the same amount of work. um, And nobody, you know, nobody got crushed. Uh, Green's the one who you would say maybe is not available today because for some reason he pitched in game three. But it's a deciding game five. If there's a situation that calls for a little Chad Green, we will be seeing Chad Green. I think um, one inning, maybe one. Yeah, a, a couple batters. I mean, three batter minimum. You know, yeah. he, he might be called on, let's say, first and second, two outs to finish an inning or something. Yeah. I don't know. But it's, it's Cole. It's Garrett Cole. So the ideal scenario is Garrett Cole goes much longer than Jordan Montgomery did yesterday. Um, and it was always going to be Cole. And you, you can have Kevin Cash saying, you know, we're scared of Cole in game four. That was never going to happen. The Yankees were going to have to live with somebody else because mm-hmm. there's no way you're going to do a deciding game five without Garrett Cole on the mound. Uh, he's never pitched on three days rest before. It's spooky for sure, but it is not as if the Rays are in a more favorable position. Everybody is at the bottom of the barrel and nobody wants the ball more than Cole. He found Boone and told him to give him the ball. Um, this is what he's paid for, and this is what he wanted to be paid for. This isn't an imposition on him. Um, whether it works out or not, this is the only decision. And uh, nobody's comfortable. 2020 playoffs are unlike anything else, and, and it's up to him to dig now. And, and it's on him, and he wants it. I don't think he's worried in the slightest. I think he wants this, and this is, like I said, what we signed up for. This is what we knew this was probably going to five, and we knew this was probably the situation. Um, as per the Chapman decision, I saw a lot of people freaking out about this. A lot of, a lot of weird freaking out, uh, similar to the pitching decision in game two, which I just don't think deserved that much freak out. You had Britain already pitched this series. He was at 22 pitches, save the pitches Chapman. You bring Chapman in to face Brandon Lau, who is quite literally the worst hitter on the Rays right now. And he's a lefty. So unfortunately he walked him and it ended up not looking good, but Chapman needs as much work as he could possibly get if he's going to labor tonight. I Would you be surprised seeing Chapman for two innings tonight? I certainly would not. Not at if all. It, if it has to come down to that. Or, I mean, Britain was, Britain was the best probably he's been all year. That was the best I've ever seen Britain. I know I've been whining and bitching about him doing split inning duty in any capacity, but, I mean, he, he looked like he could have gone another inning, another full inning. Um, 22 pitches, retired all five batters he faced, three strikeouts. You bring in Chapman to face that extra batter. I don't. I don't see why there's a problem. There's been a. There's been what a, a week layoff with him at this point. He needs yeah, to get. He needs to get in there. Yeah, he needs to get in there. He needs to get time, and that's the end of the story. And now you split them up. They they went 22 and 23 pitches. They should be fine for tonight. If you get Britain, what if Britain faces you know the next batter and gets past 30? Then you know, I, not a problem for me. It's a problem for other people. It's a problem for other front offices who are doing these pitch counts and. And, you know, looking at a computer to determine if this guy's going to throw tomorrow. So they put themselves in a position where they didn't have to 
battle battle the the computer and you know get worried about a pitch count. So now we're fine. I, I, I if you think Chapman's going to blow a two run lead with with two outs in the eighth, then uh, you're really pessimistic. You're a very pessimistic person, and I get it because I am too. But I certainly didn't think that at all. He'd have to walk the bases loaded for you to start, you know, con- being concerned at all. And then give up a grand slam with two outs. So we'd have to give up full, he'd have to give up, he'd have to load the bases and give up a grand slam with, with one out to go. And, and he throws 102 miles an hour. I, I don't think that's happening. So calm down, everyone. We're good. Everything's good. Fine. But yeah, Garrett Cole, this is what it is. Lineups got to support him early. Um, I think the key is probably getting to glass now as early as we possibly can. Roll with Coda and roll on over to our digital fare management system that lets you digitize dollars and save money every time you ride. Never pay more than $4.50 a day or $62 a month, no matter how many times you ride. Learn more at coda.com forward slash transit app. And uh, look, the guy's only pitched in 90 career games. Uh, He doesn't have a long track record. Um, He's solid against the Yanks. We seem to think he's better... Then uh, he is against the Yanks, 3.70 ERA and five starts. Um, not great, not awful. Uh, you know, he's had some outings where he just completely shuts us down and you're like, what the hell, man? Um, like the other night, 10 strikeouts. He gave up four runs, but, you know, aside from Giancarlo Stanton's home run, everything was looking hopeless. Getting to him early, I think, will be key. Um, his fastball is really what makes him who he is. It's got a lot of movement. Uh, would Love to see if he still has that juice behind it. I know broadcast made a good point last night, kind of like how we were looking at the end of the season against the Marlins in terms of getting this pitching plan in full, but didn't end up going through with it. This could be Glasnow's throwing day per se. Uh, And he gets, he gets two innings and, you know, maybe 30, 30 something pitches and that's, that's it for him. Um, so it's essentially like he's practicing, but guess what? It's not practice. It's the New York Yankees and it's the deepest lineup in baseball. So the circumstances are very different. I think the key will be to at the very least shake him up, maybe not score runs, but limit him to one inning, get his pitch count up to 25 in the first inning. Um, and guess what that means? We're, we're going to need Aaron judge to do something. I, I hate talking about this. It's just like the Gary situation. I hate talking about it because Yankee fans seem to think that, we don't want Gary Sanchez to succeed. And that's not true at all. It's just Higashioka is better at this point and Gary Sanchez can't catch up the fastball. So literally, what do you do? Uh, Aaron judge batting one eleven this postseason, And he continues to just put forth very, very, very bad at bats. He's averaging, he's seeing just a shade over three pitches per at bat, which is terrible. Uh, especially for someone of his stature, who has a high OBP, um, you know, over the, over the course of his career, he's not seeing, he's not getting any good at bats in, even when he's getting out, he, that pop up to the catcher last night was just like, what man, what's going on? Maybe something's wrong. I don't know. My bold move here tonight, if I'm Aaron Boone is I just move him down. There is no harm in moving this guy down. I don't understand why it's, it's like, it seems to be like a forbidden decision. Just move him down to sixth or seventh and let him cook. He'll be much more relaxed there. There will be no pressure for him to have to produce in the two hole. And just everybody, like, just move and move everybody up. Hicks second, Stanton third, Voight fourth. I, 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 is that crazy? It, am, am I being an asshole? No, and not even that far down. That's the thing. And, and look, we have evidence 
from under 24 hours ago of moving someone down in the lineup working. His name is Luke Voigt. Like, Voigt had one hit in this series before the Yankees flip-flopped him and the red-hot Stanton. First at-bat, he hits a 460-foot Stanton-esque tater to left field and starts the scoring. Like, sometimes you need a rally, and sometimes you just need a little kick in the rear that says, we believe in you, but right now you're not doing the job we're asking you to do, so we're changing it very slightly. There's not a lot of difference between batting fourth and batting fifth, but it's the mental note of just saying, okay, you have not been getting it done in the first three games of this series where you are, and we need you, so go somewhere else and do what you can do. And Voight responded with an absolute bomb and a couple of lasers to get the thing going yesterday. Um, and I see no, I mean, Judge swinging at the 2-0 changeup off the plate. He doesn't appear to have a handle on pitchers throwing him and busting him inside for some reason, even though everybody now does this. Um, and he used to be able to pull his hands in and kind of nail it. What He used to do what Mookie Betts does, where yeah. that inside pitch is kind of like, all right, well, that's mine. I'm taking it. And, and you can keep throwing it at me, but I'm taking it to left field for a single. So you want to put me on base, you can. Um, he's looked really off on that sort of inside change. And it sort of stems back to when he just came back from his most recent injury. And Ryan Weber on the Red Sox kept busting him in with these like 86 mile an hour slurves. And he whiffed him with dudes in scoring position. Like it all sort of comes back to that. He's protecting in instead of protecting low, which like, obviously he gets these garbage low strike calls all the time, but he's going to have to adjust in the same way he did to those, to these like inside soft pitches, which, which are not strikes and which he doesn't need to be offering at and pulling his hands in so far that he ends up just swinging and missing and screwing himself into the ground. Um, I would, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with Aaron Hicks in the two hole. Hicks has had an incredible series. He's sort of right on the fringe for this team. Always, you know, a lot of people don't think he does enough because he mostly is an high OBP guy rather than, you know, a ridiculous slugger, um, very casual center fielder and just takes walks so constantly that you take it for granted. But I, I do think LeMahieu and Hicks in the first two spots in the order are probably the idealized batting order right now. Um, and I hope we get a chance to see that. But I don't really have faith in Boone making the judge decision in this game. Um, it wouldn't be the kind of slap in the face that it was when the Yankees needed an offensive spark and Joe Torre batted A-Rod eighth in that Tiger series. Not like close. That, that was a slap in the face. This is just an adjustment. This lineup is also way better than the 2006 Yankees. So you're not taking the MVP out of the cleanup spot and batting him eight. You're taking one of many offensive stars and moving the puzzle pieces around just a little bit. Gleyber Torres bats seventh every day. Like, does that offend him? I don't Move him I don't up. Think so. He's playing great. Gardner has to play probably. That's crazy. Yeah, shit. Probably going to see Brett Gardner. He's reached base like 11 out of 15 times. He's, like, slicing, he's having a crazy postseason. Slicing pitches into left. I can't believe it, but we probably do have to see him in this game. And you're going to see Higashioka again. So whatever you can to, to mix up the bottom of that lineup a little bit. Um, it, it, you know, Higgy's going to bat ninth. Gardner's probably going to bat seventh. I, I don't know. I don't know. But Let's talk about Higgy helpful. Gary. Yeah, it would be helpful if Judge moved down to six or something. Yeah. I think well, – what do you think about Higgy Gary? Tell us what you think because I know that you're not, you're not anti-Gary, but you are – of the thought process is that we need who's performing right now in the lineup. That's just the end of the story. I'm not anti Gary. And I don't think this is the end of Gary Sanchez and pinstripes. No. I'm pretty sure we see him in 2021 and he enters spring training as the presumed starter. Um, a little competition is good. And Higashioka does something every day that Gary Sanchez can't do. I'm sorry. 
it, it, this is not a value judgment on Sanchez and Higgy and, and their entire careers and what eventually will come. Higashioka is not a prospect. He's, he's like 30. Like he just is the man of the moment. And he hit, you know, insurance ribby single in the ninth that Sanchez does not hit. Uh, the other day, he beat out an infield single in the hole to extended rally that would never have happened in a million years. He saved that Garrett Cole wild pitch on the crazy cross-up in game one. He, it's not that he contributes – it's not the age-old conversation of he contributes little things, Gary Sanchez doesn't contribute. It's that Gary Sanchez in 2020 was borderline unplayable. Um, Gary Sanchez in the playoffs in his career, unfortunately, has been borderline unplayable. Since his first postseason series, he's never hit over 200. Um, in a playoff series and that's just the way it is I- I'm sorry he-, he can run into a fastball and he's shown that time and again uh, in the playoffs but there is no consistency there and someone even in a short tried to give me a short a small sample size of these past couple week, you know this week of playoff games to try to prove who's hot and who's not and, and Sanchez was at the bottom of that list again uh, even with his game winning at the time home run in game two in Cleveland so you know, it's a it's a valuable bat on the bench. If you need someone to run into one late, it's helpful to have Gary Sanchez to deploy. But right now, he is putting up – he's right back to putting up the worst at-bats on the team. I don't know if that's consistency and if it, if he would have been helped by being given a definite game plan ahead of this whole thing. But Higashioka's energy has, in many ways, contributed positively in this series. And Sanchez's energy has been largely a black hole for his past several postseasons. This is not – a 2020 value judgment. I'm sorry. At, at this point, I'm tired of defending it. It's not 2020 only. It's not a small sample size. It's a relatively large sample size of a guy unflipping the switch when he gets to October. And right now, we don't need that. And not, not only has he batted 147 during, during this season, which is, which is awful. But then people are saying, oh, well, you know, he, he, he brings – he's the best offensive catcher in the league. Look at these stats over the last few years. It's like, okay, you want to look at stats? He's batting 179 for his career in the postseason across 29 games. That's not a small sample size. So, if you, you know, you're going to look at – you're going to look at, you know, this shortened year as a small sample size, that's fine. But 29 postseason games is not a small sample size. A negative 1.12 WPA wins probability added for offensive player. You want to you get some advanced stats in there? There's one for you. That's not good. So if you're talking about adding Gary Sanchez for offensive value during the postseason, there is no value. There, there just isn't any. There is the, the sexy threat of him being a home run hitter. In the, this, this lineup doesn't need another home run hitter. This lineup has home run hitters top to bottom. DJ LeMay, who hits home runs, not all the time, but he hits home runs and he mostly hits the ball and puts, puts it in play. Aaron Judge, home run. Aaron Hicks, walks in home runs. Giancarlo Stanton, you already know. Luke Boyd. You already know. Gio Urshela, Glaber Torres, same shit. Brett Gardner, and Brett Gardner's the only one who doesn't really hit home runs. And, and now Higashioka. You got, and then we have Clint Frazier, who's another guy who hits home runs. Why do we need, why do we need a sub-200 hitter? The, the lineup's biggest problem is being unable to string together hits and to get on base consistently. It, 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 it's, that's the eternal problem with this Yankees lineup, especially in the playoffs when this Offense goes radio silent. That's when this team loses. How many times have we discussed? Pitching will not lose any playoff series for the Yankees. The offense will lose it for the Yankees. Gary Sanchez coming in to this lineup as just another home run hitter on an already excessively, overwhelmingly powerful lineup does zero help. Higashioka saved two runs last night with his glove, with his defense. Montgomery skipped two balls in that at bat. I think it was against Mike Zanino with – runners on second and third and no outs. 
If Gary's behind the plate, one run is coming in at the very least, probably two, because the first ball is gone, run scoring, other runners going to third, and then that second one, probably 50-50. And you can't even tell me that that's not true because, once again, Gary led the league in pass balls this year. It was only five, but he caught what? He appeared in 49 games? Five balls? Okay, do, do, do a full season sample size. 150 games, 15 pass balls. That probably still leads the league because he led the league the uh, two years before, I think, with 18 or 15. So I, I don't understand why people are so sour about this. His playoff numbers still are not good. You're, you're pulling up regular season numbers, and a lot of that is, a lot of that is misleading because his first, his, his first cup of coffee in the league, when he hit 20 home runs in, what, 52 games, is inflating all of those stats. It's still buoying all of his stats. So th- there is no value to putting Gary Sanchez in the lineup right now. We saw what he did in the one game he started. He was whiffing fastballs. The one thing he should be able to hit is a fastball, especially when you're guessing fastball. That's the, that's the whole point of hitting a – so great, here comes a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. I am going to tattoo this. How many, how many chances do you have to guess? Enough, enough in four at-bats. Lifeless in all those at-bats. Higashioka batting 364 and is aggressive. He swings at the first and second pitch, and he manages to make something of, of the situation. And Gary Sanchez does not, and it sucks because I would love to see Gary Sanchez drilling the Western Supply whatever, Western Metal Supply Company, whatever the hell you want to call I would love to see that, but that's not going to happen, and there's no reason to be complaining about this anymore. The Higashioka thing is crazy because every Higashioka at bat largely looks the same. It's either a home run to left field or a ground ball into the hole between short and third, yeah. and either the shortstop is positioned to get it or he's not, and it's rolling into left field. Like It's almost like you get, you get consistency at this point from either guy. You know what you're getting with Gary Sanchez. He's going to foul off a meatball or two and then probably swing and miss on a fastball or slider. Um, the Rays are uniquely built to whiff Gary Sanchez. Uh, Tyler Glass now, I mean, come on. Uh, just come yeah, on. You know what's um, going to happen. And Higashioka has been giving us the same consistency over and over again. And if you accept – the thing is, you, if you accept the catcher position as a zero at this point, then you're adding Higashioka's defense, and that should be enough to tip the scales because – if you expect nothing offensively from either player and you expect a defensive level up from Higashioka, then that could make all the difference. I mean, you just don't know. And the vibes have just been so different when he started. And hopefully we get to, you know, hopefully we get to move on to the Astros and assess this further. It would be great to add more to both players playoff legacy. I would like more data. Um, You do have the Astros and the ALCS waiting ahead of you. If you win this game five, I can't believe that is true considering they finished the season under 500, but they're there and they look like a juggernaut. And for some reason they're trying to take revenge uh, on people, even though they're the ones that should be taken revenge upon. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they've been shot up with dextromethasone like Trump and they're just going on an Astros sad tour rampage, but they look unbeatable. It would be so juicy to be the ones to take them down. Um, and, and that's what you have on the table in, in game five on Friday night. This is, this is the biggest singular playoff game for the Yankees uh, probably since 2009 in terms of defining the franchise's legacy and, and setting a tone for a new era. I, I still can't believe we're here after throwing Jordan Montgomery in, in the do-or-die game four. I can't believe how well he came through. I can't believe how well the bullpen performed. Uh, bullpen didn't allow a hit by the way, after mm-hmm. having far and away the highest bullpen ERA of any remaining playoff team. Entering yesterday, the Yanks were at 5.32. Uh, 
team bullpen ERA. Now, that's not all Green Britain and Chapman. It's, it's largely not. Uh, but that's the problem with the Yankees bullpen, that beyond those three guys, there isn't someone to, to carry the mantle. If any- Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Any of the three falter. Um, they needed to be perfect to get the Yankees here, and they were. Uh, so now we're set up where we probably, if you told me this was going to happen on Monday, I would not be shocked. Uh, this is a very predictable outcome to be getting to a Friday do-or-die game five. Uh, but the road we took to get here was entirely unpredictable. Say what you will about Aaron Boone. It would be nice to absolve him of that game two decision and move on in the same way that they absolved Joe Girardi of that non-challenge in game two of the Indians ALDS in 2017. Uh, and ultimately, if you're someone who wants to get rid of Aaron Boone, it didn't matter in the long term, right? They got rid of Girardi anyway. That was a predetermined outcome. But at the very least, the team karmically picked him up after – his bad decision had maybe torpedoed a series. So it would be great if the team picked up the organization once again, and we could get back to talking about the Yankees against those devil magic Astros who are still here and who somebody needs to take out. And I do not want to have to root for the Rays to do it. Sorry. I will though. If that, ha- if it comes oh, down I to absolutely it, will. I will. I'll probably buy a fucking Rays Jersey. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be in, the, I'll join the stable. I'll be one of those horse guys. <laughs> I'll wear the fucking non horse mask. Like yeah, the Eagles I'll, getting the dog masks. Yeah, I'll, I'll wear a horse <laughs> mask. I'll, I'll go outside the park in Petco or wherever the series is being played and, and do, you know, whatever the Rays chant. What, what do Rays fans chant? They have cowbells? I don't even know. I don't know. Um, but I'll do that. I, I, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes to get the Astros out of here. But I hope it's us and not them. Yeah, the ball's on the Astros. We don't have big names and we don't have deep pockets. Yeah, no big, no big names on this team. I mean – Certainly not, not the most familiar lineup in baseball. Not, not Everyone knows these people. Yeah, and your and your owner's an oil magnate, so I, I don't I, I where you don't have money, I don't understand what that means. Just because you tanked, you had you you orchestrated the most epic tank job in sports history means you you all of a sudden don't have money. Your owner's worth what, like four or five billion dollars? So kiss my ass, dude. You it's borrow Mattress Max money. Yeah, mattress, <laughs> the amount of money Mattress Mac bet on them in the playoffs last year, they could have signed they could have signed another ace. So I, I, I just it's it's unbelievable how these guys are turning themselves into into the into the ones who are being you know abused and and uh disrespected because that was never the case it was just fun to make fun of them because they sucked all year and then they managed to limp and get a favorable seat in the playoffs because rob manfred thought it was a good idea that if you came second in the division regardless of your record that meant you were a higher seed of whoever came in third in another division regardless of their record because just more stupidity left and right but guess what I think the Astros will get their comeuppance in the ALCS regardless of who they face. I think uh, both the Yankees or the Rays are better suited to defeat them. They only have Zach – and Zach Greinke, clearly, he has something wrong with him. He has an arm injury or something. Uh, he didn't look great yesterday. If the Astros – you know, the Astros are just scoring runs at will right now, but guess what? Rays pitching and Yankees pitching is better than the A's pitching, and it's certainly better than – and, and it's probably better than the Twins pitching. Well, problem with the Twins is that they just don't show up. They face two historically in modern history. The Astros have faced two historically inept playoff teams in the Twins and the A's. So puff your chest all you want. 
you know, you're about to run into two teams who have been, you know, Rays haven't been otherworldly in the playoffs, but they get there and they, and they push people to the brink. They don't lay down like the A's and the twins do. So it's going to be a different story for them. And, you know, they're, they're I think they're going to, they're going to be silenced very quickly, regardless of who, which one of these teams escapes to face them. Yeah, Rays, Rays almost beat the Astros uh, last year in Game 5. And, of course, the reason they didn't was because they had a Game 5 in Houston, which is uh, not a place that people generally win as a road team. And they had Garrett Cole, who buzzsawed them. So that's not going to happen. You know, remember, Tyler Glass now was, uh, was tipping pitches in that game. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that, that's what that was? It was just your everyday pitch tipping? Okay, sure. Um, yeah, best of luck to the Houston Astros moving forward. I truly hope it is us that gets the chance to, to dethrone the American League faux champions uh, of two of the last three years. Uh, but it'll be exciting either way. Folks, that is it for this episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. And it's a big one because we're going to need you tonight. Okay, so whatever you did for game four, bring that back. Same socks, same shirt. If you need to change midday because you have to go to work, I don't know why you'd have to go to an office at this point in time. But as long as you get yourself home and get into the same clothes you were wearing yesterday, same position, uh, you know, make the same facial movements, check the news at the same time. I don't know what it is that you have to do, but we're going to need you to do it tonight. Um, this is a big one, and it's a big one for Garrett Cole. And whatever happens, happens. But I, you, you got to feel better about where you are as a franchise today than you did when you woke up yesterday. And I guess that's most important. Uh, until next week when we will know so much more and we can't wait to share it with you. And we hope it's not the off season. I'm Adam Weinrib and you can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Caradante and you can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Once again, we're loving everything we're seeing from you guys uh, while we're interacting on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Every moment is exactly what we need from you guys. All the interaction, all the excited uh, energy, and let's go Yankees. Order yourselves a pizza. Here we go. This is it. Let's go with enthusiasm, Yankees. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.